You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. No doubt, you know, to be able to play Colorado is pretty cool for me. Um, growing up, this was the rivalry game, you know, and, and I remember the game. I don't remember what year it was, but Sue's pick and Alex Henry's field goal to win it from the 50. I mean, I was sitting up there in East Stadium watching it, so it's pretty cool, man. I'm excited to be able to play against them. I got a little backlash coming to Nebraska, coming to Lincoln from uh, Colorado, but I guess I don't, that, that stuff doesn't really get to me. I came here to play football, play big-time football, and win championships, so that's why I came here. The number one memory was probably Sue's pick six against Colorado and then uh, Henry's game-winning field goal. That was a really cool uh, – those are those are some cool cool moments I remember from the Colorado rivalry. Obviously, don't remember any of the games really in the 90s or anything like that, but it was still a, it was still a pretty good rivalry going on. You know when we were in the Big 12, so it's it's cool to kind of get that going. I know a lot of a lot of fans are excited to kind of renew that rivalry a little bit. You know, I got great memories of it. Uh, there were two really good games. It, it was the type of game that even if one team was quite a bit better than the other, it was always going to be close, uh, physical, and, and a hard-fought game. So I don't expect anything different Saturday. And welcome here to the Husker Online Show. The Buffaloes are coming to Lincoln. And as former Buffalo head coach Bill McCarty said this week, I'd rather be dead than wear red. Let's get the rivalry back going, baby. Nebraska-Colorado, four of the next seven years. will play in Boulder next year, but they'll be in Memorial Stadium here this year before a few years off, and then they'll play two more times. So this is going to be fun, guys. I mean, uh, the first time Nebraska will play a former Big 8 or Big 12 opponent since they joined the Big Ten uh, back in 2011, it will be Colorado. We'll see Oklahoma down the road here on the schedule as well. But um, I, I think, you know, obviously the players, their memories, local guys, it goes back to the Sioux pick six and the Alex Henry field goal because, quite frankly, they're too young to remember the 90s and the Cordell Stewarts and whatnot. But I just think for the fans in general, um, it's just opening up a lot of old memories um, of past games and you know, just how special of a rivalry that was. I mean, they replaced Oklahoma in a lot of ways for Nebraska. Um, once the Big 12 formed, particularly, they took over the Black Friday game. So there, there's just a lot to this series, Robin, and I think it's going to be a fun four-game series here over the next seven years. Yeah, and hopefully it's the start of more of these to come where you kind of rekindle some of these old Big 8, uh, Big 12 matchups uh, that you know Nebraska fans uh, became really fond of, you know, one way or the other, uh, you know, whether it was out of animosity or, you know, good competition. Uh, I think that there's a lot of nostalgia that goes behind these types of games. And, um, you know, I know that you know, Tom Osborne was one of the last guys to actually uh, recognize Colorado as a rival. You know, I thought that he thought that was completely on their end. And I still think that's kind of how it is today. Uh, you know, I think Colorado fans are much more, um, little you know, brother aggressive yeah against Nebraska fans whereas Nebraska fans have kind of just moved on from that uh, but I do think that you know it's going to bring back a lot of memories most of them fond because uh, Nebraska has pretty much dominated this series um, over the past few decades but um, it'll be fun and hopefully again this is kind of the the first of many of these old conference uh, rivalries that get re-brought re up over the next few years. Well, yeah, I know that uh, obviously a lot of fans are looking forward to this game. Uh, I think Colorado fans are looking forward to to uh, kind of renewing things as well and, and they're pretty confident about their ability to, to beat Nebraska um, and I think they're looking forward to, to heading to Lincoln and and obviously um, you know anytime Nebraska goes to Boulder I think is is somewhat of a unique experience uh, for for everybody and it'll be a more unique experience this time around ne next year too just with all the, the way the, let's put it lightly the, the way the state of Colorado has changed their laws oh, yeah <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's a whole nother layer uh, that we can get into later maybe 
But um, yeah, I, I think that this is something that uh, I, I really enjoy these types of things coming back. Uh, and it does bring back a ton of different memories. But for me, it is that, you know, one thing that will I'll never forget is being on the sidelines when for the Sioux pick six and Alex Henry's uh, you know, that field goal, the 57-yard field goal, that is probably about the loudest I've ever heard Memorial yeah, Stadium. It's the loudest I've ever heard it. Well, you, you think about just the history, though. Uh, early 90s, Colorado uh, split a national title. Uh, they, they, they had Nebraska's number. Um, you know, they, 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 Nebraska could not beat them in those early, you know, that 89 to 92 stretch. Nebraska got that big Halloween victory in Lincoln. Uh, but then, you know, things took off after that 92 game. You know, Nebraska went on a long winning streak. And they didn't lose to Colorado again until 2001, but that was a significant game. When you think about just the 10,000-foot view of Nebraska football, that game just opened up a wound that hasn't really closed since. Since the 2001 Nebraska-Colorado game in Boulder where Nebraska lost 62-36, to uh, Nebraska football has been ranked in the top five for a grand total of one week. Think about that, one week. Before that, Nebraska was a top-five program almost every single week. They were the Clemson, the Alabama of today's college football world, and that was the game that kind of brought it downhill at that point. So, um, you know, these two programs have gone back and forth, and uh, Nebraska seemingly, when you look at just the rankings and where they have, they have not recovered from that day in Boulder. Uh, that was the first real blowout loss we saw Nebraska suffer, um, you know, especially to a conference foe. and. Uh, Bill McCartney's out making comments this week. It's, it's just going to be fun, and you're always going to have those Colorado guys on the roster for Nebraska. JoJo Doman, um, you know, he kind of stirred it up a little bit as well this week. Yeah, uh, I think there's a grand total of three. One, yes, well, there's some natives, and then t a couple players that you know played high school ball. You know, weren't born in Colorado. Eric Lee and Avery Anderson, uh, but they wine master. Yeah, and so um, there, there's a f several. There's quite a big Colorado influence, and then obviously Troy Walters. Uh, was the wide receivers coach there for three seasons, um, you know, and then obviously the old player uh, connections with Greg Austin played against Colorado. Ryan Held played against Colorado. Very rude. Uh, so, Scott Frost. Uh, so yeah, obviously. And so you know, there, there's you know a lot of different layers to this that um, are, is going to make this uh, a pretty fun deal. Uh, you know, it's not just a fan thing. You know, there's a lot of, of Colorado ties uh, within you know the roster and the coaching staff, and I think this is going to make this a pretty fun. It, the interesting thing about it is that it seems like the coaching staff, they're not really um, harping on this being a rivalry necessarily. I think that a lot of the players are aware uh, of, of the past, mostly just from Nebraska fans and, and how fired up everyone seems to be about the game. Uh, you know, for the, the most part, these guys have kind of downplayed it. I know that a lot of those Colorado natives that you're talking about, uh, Robin, they've kind of they were being somewhat diplomatic in their answers. Uh, and some jo like Jojo Doman, not yeah. so diplomatic. But. I, I can read you Jojo's actual quote here when asked about, uh, you know, the, the backlash he got uh, when, you know, he was a kid that drew up Colorado Springs, you know, played out there and then, you know, chose Nebraska over Colorado and he said yeah I got a little backlash coming to Nebraska um, that stuff didn't really get to me I came here to play football play big time football and win championships that's why I came here and he went on to say I, I wanted to play big time football at a big time university to see if I could prove myself on the big stage that's why I'm here in Lincoln so you know, a little subtle jab there against, uh, you know, his old former in-state school. Well, think about Alex Lewis. He left Colorado to go to Nebraska because he just didn't like what was going on in the culture of Boulder. And he said, you know what? People here aren't focused to play football. And Mike McIntyre, to his credit, has done a heck of a job. Yep. 
They won the Pac-12 division, um, losing to Washington uh, two years ago. They didn't make a bowl game last year. That was a disappointment. But this is a big game for Colorado because if they are able to come into Nebraska and win, they have New Hampshire and then a very down UCLA team um, on a Friday night after a bye week. So 4-0 is in the sights of Colorado right now, and this is a game in the way. And if they could get off to a 4-0 start, Mike McIntyre, with the veteran offense he has, this reminds me a little bit of BYU a couple years ago. This is a team coming in for an opener now for Nebraska with a new coaching staff that's ready to go. This is not a, a lay down and collect a paycheck game. This is a team that's coming into Lincoln to win. They have the material to win. They have the experienced quarterback and the coach. Um, so Nebraska's going to have to have everything lined up this week if they want to come out of this game with a win. Uh, point spread's been hovering in that four to six range here with the Huskers being a slight favorite. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the, the one element that we just don't know about is how much of a disadvantage is Nebraska for not playing, having a game under their belt. Colorado obviously looked incredible in their blowout over Colorado State. Uh, Nebraska has that element of secrecy, whereas Colorado's still studying Central Florida film, but um, it's still it's still an opener against a team that is rolling right now in Colorado. All right, well, we'll talk uh, offensive storylines next. we got a full show here on tap as we'll get you ready for uh, Nebraska's game with Colorado. We'll talk defense as well. Big recruiting weekend. Nate Klaus will get us caught up on that, and we'll be joined later in the show by Husker Online intern Alec Rome with your questions here in the mailbag. That is all next on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Now, we're not going to change anything. They know they gotta, they've got to be ready to go. They've got to be physical. They've got a challenge in front of them. And uh, you know, going against our defense every you know, fall camp it has prepared them for whatever we're going to see. And, and they're an odd. They're a three down, very similar to us. So uh, you know, scheme-wise, our guys have seen what they're going to do. So we should be ready to go. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, a segment of the program brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill as NFL football starts up this weekend. Get on into any of the five Omaha locations or one here in Lincoln as they'll have all the action on over the weekend. Obviously, all the college football, Friday, Saturday, uh, college action, and then all the NFL action um, on Sunday as well. It's any one of the six Tanners locations in Omaha and Lincoln. Now, that was offensive coordinator Troy Walters, guys, as you heard him. Uh, the challenge they face as a unit going into this game uh, with really no games, no games underneath their belt, a true freshman starting quarterback. But I still think they got some value out of Saturday just going through the routine with a new staff because um, that's easier said than done, you know, getting to the hotel, kind of simulating what your game day is going to be, how you guys go to the stadium. Uh, this is a completely new thing for the team, and at least they got to go through all of that where now when they do it here on Saturday against Colorado, um, you know, there, there's going to be some more routine, uh, even though they didn't get a game on the field. Yeah, as Scott Frost said, you know, they got all dressed up for nothing, but it was a dress rehearsal. I mean, they got to go through all the, you know, like you said. <laughs> the walkie. Yeah, the, all the stuff, they essentially went all the way up until the very first play of the game before the thing was finally canceled. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there is, like I said, there is value to that. You know, I mean, just getting those emotions out of the way. You know, Scott Frost has already taken the field for the first time, you know, in the tunnel walk. That's done. Uh, so everybody can just, you know, move on and actually kind of focus more on the football aspect, including uh, Scott Frost himself. So, I, I mean, obviously you would have loved to have a game under your belt. There's no denying that, that hurts. Uh, you know, to get your feet wet, uh, you learn about your team, how they respond when the lights are on, and there's actually a another team across the line of scrimmage from you but uh to their credit 
by all accounts, they came back on Monday and Tuesday and had absolutely great practices. Wednesday um, was a bit of a step back, but still a good overall session. So um, they, they responded about as well as you possibly could uh, to those unusual circumstances that no Nebraska team has had to deal with in a long, long, long time. So, uh, you know, I, it is what it is. It's a situation you just kind of got to take it for what it is um, and try and make the best of it. And I do think that there are advantages despite um, not getting that valuable game going into your first Power 5 matchup. Yeah, knowing exactly what to expect I think is a, is a big deal because they've gone through the, the dry run of everything. They've gone through the, going to the hotel and having all the meetings and, and exactly you know what to expect on a normal game day under this coaching staff. So uh, the, the ability to take all those questions out of it, I, I think, is, is uh, something that you can't really uh, you know, factor in. I think that's, that's a good thing for the team, good thing, especially for a starting quarterback like Adrian Martinez. Uh, he may not have quite the butterflies this week that he had last week. One other interesting thing, too, to me was they said this week has been one of their best weeks of practice they've had in three years, and that goes back to their time at Central Florida. And it's hard to know if that is coach speak, just trying to get this team laser-focused, knowing that they're going to have a good opponent coming into Lincoln, um, are, are kind of where that statement sits. I know Wednesday wasn't as good as Monday, Tuesday, but they were very pleased with just how this team came out. And they've been more intense this week in practice, too. They knew that – They've got to find a way to simulate those game reps in practice, which meant maybe some more live work in some different areas that they just weren't able to get because they lost the game on Saturday. Well, I know on Tuesday, uh, they call that that tough Tuesday where they really throw a lot at those guys. It's not just a physically grinding practice, but uh, the coaching staff intentionally puts the players in difficult situations where they're designed to make them fail. Uh, essentially, they have to have a perfect rep in order to, quote-unquote, win um, that that rep or that play. And so, uh, you know, obviously there was some mistakes that came along with that, but uh, the effort maintained. Uh, they still put in, you know, uh, you know pretty good responses uh, to how they adjusted on the fly to some of those situations. And so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, there's really some benefit you can get even without playing a game. Uh, I still, you know, the coaches kind of unanimously said, that this team still got better uh, from last week to this week. And, you know, obviously it's hard to know exactly how good they are or where even the starting point was, but progress was still made. And I think this coaching staff really challenged them this week and got a great response from it. Yeah, I don't think it was coach speak necessarily. I mean, everyone really seems to be locked in and, and dialed in. Uh, you talk with all the, the players and they said – that they've never been as prepared for a game as they were for Akron. And I think they've all kind of carried that over to this week. And, and everyone is, is super focused. They're hungry to actually play a game. And so um, and they're expecting great results. And, and they've practiced like it this week. So, um, you know, I, I think all of that is really going to give them the momentum heading into this weekend. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus. And, you know, speaking of losing the game last week, and we still don't really have a read on kind of what Nebraska's plans are are going forward we heard from bill moose for the first time publicly um on wednesday after practice and uh, i'll tell you what i, I get the sense that nebraska is leaning more towards the fcs opponent coming to lincoln on the october 26th by week 26th 27th by weekend there uh versus having akron come back to lincoln on december 1 i just think um the akron game was supposed to be a developmental game and in essence, if you can get a developmental game against an FCS team um, that would come in on your bye week, to me, that's much more attractive than trying to play 
Akron again on December 1st for probably no meaning whatsoever. It could be colder than hell in Lincoln that day as well, um, where it could just really not be an ideal atmosphere to have a home game. Well, Nate, you could touch more on this, the recruiting aspects that go along with playing at the end of the season. But just from the team perspective, uh, yes, playing 12 straight weeks is less than ideal. It's going to be a huge physical grind on their players. But this is the third year in a row this staff has had to deal with this type of situation. You know, they lost two games uh, or a game in each of the past two years uh, to weather exactly like this. And so they know how to go about uh, keeping guys fresh, you know, trying to prevent as much wear and tear as possible in a grind like that. So I think that they're more than capable of adjusting to losing that bye week, especially uh, when it has the opportunity to add another win back onto your schedule uh, for a team that desperately needs to go to a bowl game. Uh, not only go to a bowl, but uh, the opportunity to get a month of bowl prep uh, and then those practices with a young team that is still in a transition year. And then the opportunity to potentially get some positive momentum to f uh, further keep this thing on the upward trajectory going into what could be a very special 2019 Season. Being the recruiting guy, uh, you you do lose. If you play in December, you lose a week where the coaches could have been out on the road recruiting. Um, you know, especially since the early December signing period is creeping up on you. If you if you play that week, all of a sudden you've missed out on an entire week to be out on the road and conducting in home visits and, and whatnot. Uh, plus, then you also lose kind of a more of an ideal weekend to bring recruits onto campus because it's not going to be very fun, I don't think, to, to have a bunch of recruits come in for that game on December 1st and, and sit in the cold or whatever. So if you can reschedule that during the bye week and have another recruiting weekend um, you know, in, in October, I think that's more favorable there for I mean, for just Nebraska. a game that you know that you're going to be able to play a lot of young guys and, and develop guys because with this new redshirt rule, the Akron game had a lot more value than just a game. I mean, there was a lot of developmental things that were going to come out of that game, hopefully. Um, and I'm not saying Akron was a bad team. They were, they were a veteran team. I mean, it may not have been that easy, but if you could get that game to allow an Andrew Bunch to get a quarter and a half or two quarters of play against an FCS opponent, um, allow a bunch of these freshmen a lot of reps, that to me would be the big picture value you would be going for. Um, and I'm sure December 1st would be the same type of deal. You would see more guys playing, but uh, you got to win the game. I mean, that would be the most important thing. But uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to shift our focus over to defense as we'll talk some defensive storylines here of the week going into Colorado. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, the quarterback, Montez, I think he's going to have 17 or 18 starts under his belt, so an experienced quarterback is, is always nice to have. And I think they got a running back that can uh, really do some things in the, in the you know, zone read game. I think the guy they had last year is a little bit more of a downhill guy, and this guy can, can do some things in the zone read game. But I think they have a nice, a nice offense. I know their coordinators are doing a great job, and the kids are, are playing hard. So. And they go fast like our guys. That's, a, that's another thing, yeah. Oh, man, probably, probably somewhere at the top. I mean, they got a great, great group, you know, quarterback. Um, he got some weapons out on the outside, some receivers, some running backs. Um, they got a probably complete, pretty good football team. Um, uh, definitely respected by us, and, um, and they're doing a great job. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was defensive coordinator Eric Shenander and secondary coach Travis Fisher just talking about this Buffalo offense, and they are sneaky good. They are one of the better offenses Nebraska is going to face this season. And, oh, by the way, it's a season opening game right now for the Huskers. So there are a lot of things that have this staff's attention 
Steven Montez, though, particularly their quarterback, he has 16 starts underneath his belt. Um, all 12 games a year ago, he started the opener this past week against Colorado State. Then he played as a starter in three games during the year that Colorado won their division in the Pac-12 North. Uh, actually, Pac-12 South, excuse me, um, and played Washington in that title game. Um, so he's a veteran guy that's been a starter for parts of three different seasons now. And they're on, they've had the full attention. And, and this game worries me a little bit just for the defense, knowing that they're going to have to be ready to go. If they're not lined up right, Montez is good enough to get them up there quick and make Nebraska pay here on Saturday. Well, it's a, it's a defense that still doesn't even you know know who their top guys are. That's why they're wearing yellow practice jerseys <laughs> instead of black practice jerseys. And that first game against Akron was going to be so valuable probably for the defense more than anything else, uh, just because there were just questions that they could not answer in practice about how guys were going to respond uh, when things got for real in a live game. And now they have to continue to go another week uh, without no answering those questions against an offense that is significantly better than what they were going to face against Akron. Um, Colorado's offense is the real deal. And there's a lot of similarities between what Nebraska does and Colorado does. So that in itself means this defense is probably going to be on the field a lot. And so they're going to have to play a lot of players and they're going to have to rely on a lot of players to be ready to go in what is now their very first game um, on, under this new scheme and coaching staff. And then there's clearly challenges that come along with that. And then you add the dynamic ability of Colorado's playmakers. They're going to be put to the test from the opening snap. If there is a silver lining in all of this, I, I think it is the fact that their offense is somewhat similar to, to what Nebraska does. And they've been, defending Nebraska's offense now for the last, what, six weeks or, or more. So um, I, I think that is somewhat of a silver lining. The other thing, too, um, to me that, that could make a big difference is Noah Vedral being the scout team quarterback. You've got a, a mobile quarterback. Uh, you know, Noah's got some experience under his belt. And so this defense is going to be getting or has been getting a very good look from Vedral uh, on that scout team all week long. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as uh, we talk defensive storylines here uh, for Nebraska going into this game uh, with Colorado. And the, the other thing to me is um, – I don't feel like Montez was really disrupted much last week in Colorado State's defense, and really their season's a dumpster fire right now. So they they got the they got the Rams at the right time, and and they stuck it to them, um, and they did what they were supposed to do. Um, what will he look like with a little heat, a little pressure? Because we know Eric Shenander, Javon Dewitt, those guys up front, uh, those coaching the coaching staff, they want to bring some heat and. I'd imagine you know you're going to see a lot of different looks, a lot of different ways that they're going to get pressure on Montez, and you know they do have though a good running game as well. They have two really good running backs, um, kind of one that's more a bigger physical threat and one that's faster. Uh, they've got good receivers on the edge, so there's a lot there. Uh, but you know, hope that Nebraska can maybe disrupt Montez and get him off his rhythm. Yeah, we, we all know that knocking drives off schedule is so important against an offense like this because if you get a first down on first and ten on your first play, uh, that's when things start rolling and the tempo kicks in and you know, you're really backed up on your heels. But uh, So I expect, you know, Sean, I agree they're going to attack him from a lot of different ways to try and get some tackles for loss, uh, you know, fluster Montez as much as possible. But what this is going to come down to for me is how well Nebraska is able to tackle in space. How are those corners going to be able to defend the bubble screen? And uh, how are those linebackers going to be able to keep contain on Montez or those running backs on those zone read option plays? Uh, I mean, one missed tackle, this, this Colorado offense is capable of beating you to the house 
just like Nebraska's offense is. So, yes, they've gotten months and months of preparing against a very similar scheme, uh, but, you know, there's there's something to playing in a game and being able to make those critical tackles in space where there's no one behind you to save the day uh, that might define, you know, how well Nebraska's defense ends up in this. Yeah, you keep hearing about 11 hats flying to the football, and, and that's going to be huge this weekend with, with this Colorado football team. Uh, um, you know, you watch the Colorado State game and – um, the, their offense looked pretty much unstoppable, but uh, I don't know. You know, it's sometimes I think that can be a little bit of fool's gold because you don't know exactly how good Colorado State's defense is. Um, you know, obviously they were on the road, but they weren't playing in the type of environment that they're going to see in Memorial Stadium this weekend either. So uh, that could be another factor that could play to the Nebraska's uh, to the defense's advantage. Yeah, there's still just so many questions about how this defense is going to look, the the rotation and the amount of young guys that we just didn't get to see at all on Saturday um, and, 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 and what they're going to get out of that. And, and, and that's, to me, still the biggest little letdown from the whole weekend. I mean, you would have just have loved to have all these new faces get that one game on defense to, to really get, quote, their sea legs underneath them, as the staff has said so many times over the last month. And um, you, you just don't know when the bullets are live what it's going to look like and um, there, there's just so many questions, and uh, that, that to me is, is my biggest fear uh, for Nebraska going in this game. Well, just like the offense, though. I mean, Colorado's offense has no idea what to expect from Nebraska's defense, so there is that uh, element of surprise that carries over on that matchup as well, but I just don't know how much of an advantage that really plays off. Uh, you know, the, the reality is Nebraska's defense needed a game. Uh, they needed to see what they have. Uh, now you're just basically prolonging evaluations that um, you're just not going to be able to get until you actually play a real game. And so, you know, the questions remain. You know, nothing has changed basically since uh, spring practice to now, uh, and, and it won't until they actually take the field on Saturday. Yeah, not being able to make that big leap, as all the coaches say, the the improvement you make. Game from, one to game yeah, two. Not being able to do that, I think, is, is huge and, and more of a factor than Colorado not being able to see Nebraska on tape. National television game as well, a big stage for this. So uh, a lot of eyes will be watching Nebraska um, on ABC. Um, chew on this, Nebraska did not play a game. And I know this because I work for Channel 7 or ABC affiliate. They didn't play a game on ABC last year. They were on Fox and FS1. They were the Notre Dame of F FS1 a year ago. I think they were on FS1 like six times. Um, so we had our own little Notre Dame deal going on with FS1. But um, Nebraska on ABC for the first time, um, you know, they didn't get a game on there last year. Yeah, I wonder what the – I mean, those the ratings for this game, I would think, would be – Yeah, there's just a lot more. And, I mean, for ABC to, to set their grip on this – and there's some good games on Saturday. you got Clemson and Texas A&M, uh, Jimbo Fisher versus Dabo Sweeney, a number of kind of Big Ten matchups, so we'll be watching closely. Michigan State goes out to Arizona State. That will be the 945 at night game when uh, Robin and I are just getting home. We'll be able to watch that game at least on Saturday night. But um, there's going to be a lot of those – you know, bigger matchups right now for the Big Ten, um, Iowa, Iowa State. We're going to find out more about the Hawkeyes this weekend um, as as they'll they'll play um, a home game, I believe, against Iowa State, a team that you know, seemingly has had their number at times. And 
Um, but recently, I think the Hawkeyes have had, had the, had held the edge in this series. Yeah, and you know that's uh, Iowa State's a team too that is in the same boat as Nebraska, and so they don't know what they have, and so Iowa doesn't know what they're facing, and so that's going to be. Uh, I was a four-point favorite right now, uh, you know, three o'clock kick in Iowa City, and with the way that rivalry goes, uh, anything is possible. Penn State plays Pitt, um, kind of renewing that rivalry. Um, so we're going to learn a lot more about the Big Ten and particularly Nebraska as we're going to see a lot more of these Power Five on Power Five matchups here in Week Two. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over, take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We we kind of left it verbally that we'd like to play the game. We didn't. We don't have a common buy, so it would have to be at the end of the year if both schools agreed to it we could play on the on the saturday after the the end of the regular season uh barring the uh if either team was in their conference championship game and welcome back here to the husker online show sean callahan robin washett nate klaus it's time for the mailbag as alec rome um, one of our husker online interns in studio take your questions each week as Lots of questions this week. We didn't have a football game, but still lots of questions to get to. What do you got this week, Mr. Rome in the mailbag? No relation to Jim, by the way. Yeah, no relation to Jim. By the way, Lance is my dad, not Jim. But, yeah, I mean, you can just hear. Look at all this. Oh, my gosh. I have to reach through the bag to grab all this mail. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we'll start with what are the most and least favorable position matchups to watch in the Colorado game? Um, I would say the one that worries me the most is just the, the back end of the defense. Um, you, you look at Montez, their quarterback. He's a veteran guy. He started 16 games now in his career. He's going to be able to, as Javon DeWitt said, make a lot of good pre-snap reads. And if Nebraska is not set already, they're going to get in, up there in a hurry and try to make Nebraska's defense pay. So that, that to me, is the easy one. On the flip side, though, I mean, I think Nebraska's offense, um, you know, Colorado doesn't have a really good read on a lot of the new personnel, how it's going to look, how it's going to be used. Nebraska has to find ways to use that to their advantage. I'm going to go with linebackers because of the responsibility in containing Steven Montez and a dynamic uh, skill position group around him. Uh, You know, Colorado does a lot of similar things to what Nebraska does as far as, um, you know, that up-tempo spread offense with lots of jet sweeps and has a quarterback run game. And so those linebackers better be on key of recognizing not only where, you know, following Montez, but where those other guys are going, the pre-snap motions that come along with it, and just all of the you know mental aspects that go along before each and every snap and having to do it very quickly. Because like you said, Sean, they get up to the line in a hurry. I'm going to go with uh, Nebraska's offensive line versus Colorado's front seven. I think that having a true freshman quarterback, um, you know, you've got to keep him clean. You have to protect him. And Colorado's front seven is fairly active. They've got a big defensive line. They've got uh, some good linebackers. So I think it's going to be key for Nebraska's offensive line to, to really protect Adrian Martinez. And this kind of leads into the next question, too. Which part of Nebraska's defense do you think Colorado will try to exploit initially? Um, I, I think the secondary. I mean, I think yeah. the corners. Corner, corners I mean, in particular. They're going to find out if Lamar Jackson and DiCaprio Boodle can tackle and make plays in space. They're going to go after Cam Taylor. Um, they don't know much about Trey Neal other than Central Florida's film. Uh, but I, I think you're going to go right at those guys and see how much better if they are better. I mean, because to me on paper – that's the weak spot for if you're doing a scouting report on Nebraska. And going with what Nate said, Colorado is going to make it priority number one to stop the run. And they're going to make Adrian Martinez have to drop back 
40, and eight. 40, 50 times a game and beat them with his arm as a true freshman playing in his first college football game. So uh, they're going to try and stop the run first and foremost and try and exploit uh, you know, that offensive line and those running backs and take them out of the game to where Adrian Martinez has to do it all. Yeah, I think that for me, it's it's Colorado's wide receivers. I think they're going to uh, you know try to get the ball uh, deep, kind of stretch that that defense. Uh, Montez is is a guy that can get out of the pocket, uh, so they can they're probably going to try to to stress Nebraska's defense by getting him out of the pocket as well. We're taking your questions here in the mailbag. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. We got Husker online intern Alec Rome. For the guys on the kickoff during the Akron game, in quotations marks. Um, that haven't redshirted, does this count as one of their four games? No. No, because um, it's not an officially registered game, so there's no stats, and therefore there's... And there was no time that you were... Yeah, the, the game doesn't log as one of your 12 games, so to speak, on the schedule. Right. Yeah, no, I don't, no time even came off the clock, so I, I don't think that... I don't think that counts. We did grade out Javon DeWitt on his performance, so he thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> he had his guys ready on that one play. All right, next question. What do you have, Mr. Rome? A basketball one for Robin here. Amir Harris seems like a lock to be in the eight-man rotation. Do you see any other of the three newcomers getting significant playing time this year? Well, Brady Hyman might have to, uh, depending on the matchup and what happens with her front court. I mean, if you know Isaiah Roby has to miss any time in particular, whether it be with injury or foul trouble in-game, uh, the next guy in the rotation is Tanner Borkart. And so the, there's a pretty significant drop-off as far as that five-man depth uh, that if if need be, they're not going to hesitate to play Brady. Obviously, the, the goal is to redshirt him because he needs it. He realizes he needs it, a year of strength and conditioning under his belt. But the reality is if he can help them win games by providing some depth, they're going to play him. Robin, one other basketball question for you. When, when do we find out the tip-off times for games? I, I want to get my Saturdays planned out here in the rail yard for all these Saturday games. Well, supposedly we'll know sometime this week, uh, if not this weekend. Um, I mean, obviously the conference games, uh, the BTN kind of controls all that. But um, as far as some of those Saturday non-conference games, those should be announced relatively soon within. Seven total Saturday games? Yes, seven total. Three conference, four non-conference. So an actual fan favorite or favorable schedule this year. Got to get some babysitters lined up, Nate. Yeah, I know. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) All right, what do you got next here in the mailbag, Alec? I called you Robin, Alec. (laughs) That's okay. If you had to put money on only one of the following for Nebraska, which are you taking? A thousand-yard rusher, a thousand-yard receiver, a player with four plus interceptions or a player with eight plus sacks. Go. Pooh, that's a that's a great question. Um, I'm still going to go thousand yard receiver. Stanley Morgan, if he didn't sit out the Rutgers game, would have had it with ease a year ago. And I have no reason not to believe he's going to be just as big, if not a bigger part of this new offense uh, with what they're going to do. And I have no reason not to believe they're not they're going to put up way more yards and they're going to run way more plays than he did a year ago. If they had a true number one feature back, I would be a lot more inclined to say 1,000-yard rusher, but it just sounds like they're going to rotate a lot within that group. And so I just don't know if the opportunities are going to be there for one of those running backs to get over that 1,000-yard mark. And so, yeah, I agree, 1,000-yard receiver is probably the, the most likely, and then especially with you know the there's no true identified pass rusher. Eight sacks seems kind of... That seems high, and then the interceptions. I mean, that was still an issue for them coming out of spring ball and... I guess they made some progress this fall, but I don't feel good enough to say any of those guys are capable of getting four. Yeah, you got to go with Stanley Morgan, I think, if you're laying money on, on one of those things. However, I think the thing that I would like to see is probably a guy with four-plus interceptions. That would be – I think I think that would mean that secondary has, has greatly improved. All right, what do you got next for us? Uh, this one's for Nate. Outside the offensive linemen uh, Nebraska's already committed, who else do you think they will sign for 2019? 
who else? <laughs> I mean, just go down the list. Yeah, yeah. just go down the list and, and, and uh, give specific times when they all the silent be. commits. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah tell we the you future for commit us. List well, I mean, here's the the big picture of it is that Nebraska's sitting with 16 commitments. Uh, I think they'll end up taking a class anywhere between 25 and 28. Um, you know, I, I feel like offensive line is still the priority, um, you know, is, uh, along with defensive back. So, um, you know, I, I look to a guy like Bryce Benhart committing. Uh, I think that the big offensive tackle out of Minnesota that visited this past weekend is it could be very close to making a decision. Uh, Taiwan Mullen, uh, the cornerback, the four-star corner out of Florida, is is a guy that I think could commit here fairly soon. And and this weekend is is really big. Um, you know, you got a handful of of uh, cornerbacks uh, on campus that I think could eventually end up in this class too. All right, we got time for one last question. This is a philosophical question, oh, gentlemen. Oh, Big boy. picture. Big picture. Why do people like Eileen's cookies? And can I answer first? Because they're really good. Are you? I mean, it's like tasting heaven in your mouth, gentlemen. I mean, those are so good. I'll, I'll let you. I, I mean, we, we are a big Eileen's cookie house. Um, when my kids have to bring treats, it's usually Eileen's cookies. We've had some birthday cakes from there before. But I think it's the freshness when you go in there, especially the day you get them. Now, day two, day three, they're day two, day three cookies. But I think day one, they're hard to beat. That's some pretty uh, astute analysis of Eileen's cookies. <laughs> uh, I'm not as familiar with them, but I do know that it's very rare that I have a bad cookie. And so to say that a cookie isn't good, uh, it's, it's got to be pretty pretty rough. Nate, who used to make the cookies for the recruits back in the day? You guys, The cookie company? Yeah, cookie company. They used to make the, the big round chocolate chip cookie and, and they'd say welcome to Nebraska and, and whatever the recruits. You started made. that. You guys were the first yeah, school yeah, to kind of do the personalized yeah, we started cookie. started that. And it, so it'd be in their hotel room as soon as they would uh, check into the hotel and, and uh, you know, they all took the picture of it and whatnot. But uh, as far as Eileen's cookies, yeah, I don't know that I've ever had a bad one. They're always soft and, and on point. So yeah. <laughs> right. for everything else you want to know, go to HuskerOnline.com. Well, that wraps it up here for the mailbag. We'll close the show with some recruiting as the Huskers will have a big weekend with over 12 official visitors in town. We'll get Nate's thoughts on that. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, one of the big things that we want is we want kids to be able to see what we have on game day. You know, last week we had some official visitors in and they, they saw it all the way up to the kickoff, right? Uh, but they could see how awesome our fans are and how electric this place is. You can't simulate it. Uh, in January, right? You can't simulate it in December. So when we can get a kid here and, and they can see what it's all about and envision themselves, good, goodness grief, I get to play in front of this for all my home games. Uh, that's special. So anytime we can get them here and they can see it, that's a that's a win for us. Uh, now it's it's more of a grind for us on the uh, uh, as coaches on the weekend because we're, we we got to coach and do this and we got to have meetings with them and then we got to get ready for the next game. Nothing changes, uh, but that's part of the deal. We want kids on our our campus to see this this awesome atmosphere that, that we have. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus getting you ready for Saturday's Nebraska-Colorado game. It's a 2:30 national television game on ABC and. Let's talk some recruiting, Nate. Nebraska had um, really a big weekend 
um, against Akron, even though they have a game, they still had a lot going on on the recruiting trail. But they're going to even have a bigger one this weekend, maybe the biggest weekend this staff has ever had in terms of official visitors on campus and then trying to manage that with a game. Right now it's at least 12 officials, but several unofficials as well uh, when you kind of look at just what they're facing going into Saturday's Colorado game. At 12 officials as of now. I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a couple late additions to that list. Uh, and you're also talking about probably you know 25 to, to maybe even 30, 35 unofficial High-priority guys. And high-priority guys, yeah. So uh, this is by far and away the biggest recruiting weekend uh, that, that Nebraska – or that this – you know that Nebraska's had so far and maybe that this staff has ever had because at Central Florida, you know, they didn't have to bring guys in during the season. They, they would maybe only bring in one or two official visitors uh, for each home game. And so, um, you know, if this is kind of new for them as well. And, and they were able to get somewhat of a dry run last week, um, you know, kind of managing the game in an official visitor weekend with five, with five officials uh, on campus. But this weekend is, is kind of taking things to a whole nother level. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show. Nate, let's recap though. Last weekend, uh, particularly, you know, some of the other the bigger names that were in town. Wondell Robinson um, is a guy that you know Nebraska is looking at a lot of different running backs and kind of skill type guys that fit his role. But what do you think? How do you think it went for Wondell? And, and, and kind of where do the Huskers sit coming out of that weekend in Lincoln? Well, his visit went tremendously well. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously all these guys were disappointed they weren't able to experience the entire game. But like Ryan Held said in the open, they were they were still able to kind of feel the electricity uh, surrounding Lincoln and, and especially inside Memorial Stadium. I mean, that tunnel walk was was deafening. And so um, and all the guys were blown away by that. And in some cases, I almost felt like they were left kind of wanting more. They were really intrigued by what, you know, if it was that loud for the tunnel walk what how loud how crazy is it when Nebraska actually rips off a big play or you know if they get a sack or score on a long touchdown or whatever so I, I'm not going to say that worked to Nebraska's advantage but I do think that there's a lot of these guys left with some intrigue as as far as you know what exactly how much better the atmosphere could even really be uh, but yeah Wandell Robinson had a tremendous visit he's planning to take an official visit to uh, Alabama here coming up he's already taken a couple uh, um, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Purdue, uh, Kentucky is still somewhat in the mix. But I think he's going to have a decision uh, here in the next month after that Alabama trip. So Nebraska would be theoretically in that top two or three with him right now. Yeah, I, I, he, he didn't say or he wouldn't really say who's his, who his leader is or or give an order right now. But, yeah, I think I, I feel confident in saying that Nebraska is, is definitely in the top group there, probably the top two or three teams uh, for Wandell right now. Now, Bryce Benhart from Minnesota, the number two ranked player in the state, another big offensive line body was in as well. Um, and, you know, rumors were that he could commit uh, pretty quiet, though, out of his end in uh, Bryce is not a guy that gives a lot of comments, but you still liking Nebraska's chances to get a commitment from Bryce Benhart? Yeah, I feel really good about Nebraska's chances with Benhart, and uh, and you're right. I mean, the, the big six nine, three hundred pound offensive tackle does not uh, really give much away. It do, doesn't give anything away. It doesn't do recruiting interviews. He doesn't like to talk about uh, you know his recruitment, or and really doesn't like to talk or do interviews. Period. I'm going to send you up there just to get him. Yeah, that that might be the, about the only way to get him is is in person, maybe after one of his football games, uh, because he is. 
is the definition of, of the low-key lineman that doesn't want anything to do with being in the spotlight. Uh, but he's a big-time player. Uh, he's already taken official visits to Wisconsin and Tennessee. And I think just the fact that he's held off from committing until he could take his official visit to Nebraska in the fall, because remember, Nebraska didn't have any officials to give last spring or, or in June. So he held off just so he could take that trip last weekend. And uh, and like I've said, he doesn't not a big fan of the recruiting process. So I think that he's kind of taking things in right now and, and kind of processing all the information. And, and we could see him make a decision sooner than later. Well, then there are three other guys, Brat Bakes from uh, Texas, Donovan West, um, another offensive lineman by California, um, and then Taiwan Mullen, a defensive back out of Florida. All three came in, um, no commits, but you feel all three of those guys could be close too. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska picked up commitments from from any one of those three or, or all three together. Taiwan Mullen is probably the one I feel most confident about. He's going to be taking his trip. Uh, he had a scheduled official visit to Indiana this weekend, uh, so he's he's kind of holding on to that and is going to be taking that trip, but I would not be surprised if he made a decision shortly after this weekend, and, and I feel like it's Nebraska right now with Taiwan. He's another one that he doesn't doesn't give a whole lot away. He's but scheduled to be at Kansas State next week. Yeah, I don't know if that trip is going to happen, to be honest. There's a chance that he could end up taking that trip, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he went ahead and made a decision after the Indiana visit uh, this weekend. So, um, like I said, I, I really like Nebraska's chances, and, and the, his mom made it on the trip, and she absolutely loved Nebraska. And so I think moms love Lincoln. That's, yeah, moms <laughs> love Lincoln, and, and they like it because it's it's a great place to concentrate on football and school. And so there's not a lot of other distractions. I mean, obviously there's there's stuff to do, and and it's a it's a great college town, but uh, it's not like you're you're in Miami, you know, in, in Coral Gables, and and you got all sorts of distractions around being being around your home or whatever, like Taiwan, since he's from uh, from South Florida. But uh, so I think she loved Nebraska. And I, I think Nebraska could be in great shape to pick up his commitment from from a four star cornerback. And speaking of big cities and guys that kind of got distracted earlier in their career, Nebraska picked up a commitment from former Georgia Tech running back Dedrick Mills um, was dismissed at Georgia Tech after his freshman year, where he rushed for nearly 800 yards as a true freshman. Um, was injured last year at Garden City Community College, but um, already had you know a huge first game where he racked up almost 270 yards. Uh, committed to Nebraska, Nate, uh, his coach, an old friend of Nebraska, Jeff Sims, uh, Carl Pellini, Jeff Jamrod guy that's also a Javon DeWitt guy because they worked together at Florida Atlantic on Carl Pellini's staff. Well, Jeff Sims delivered Nebraska another potential difference maker in Dedrick Mills. Yeah, they, they certainly did. I mean, Mills was a freshman All-American. He was a preseason All-ACC running back uh, heading into his, his sophomore year uh, before he was dismissed from Georgia Tech's program. And uh, from talking with Jeff Sims, you know, he, he's a, he thinks that Dedrick could play for any team in the country and that he's definitely a, a next-level type of running back is what he called him. And as far as the, the issues why he was dismissed from Georgia Tech, you know, Sims said that it was a learning experience for him and that uh, he's really gotten back on track and has done everything necessary to, to be productive and, and to, to really take this second chance. And you have to give credit to Nebraska here. They were the first team to offer him last spring, so they were way out ahead of the curve here. And uh, they they know what they're getting. This is a, ki- this is a kid that's that's produced at the, at the Power 5 level already. So you're not kind of wondering, okay, well, uh, he's been productive in, in high school. He's been productive 
productive in junior college, can that translate over to, um, you know, to the Power Five level? Well, he's done it already, um, and that was as a true freshman. So I think when you look at his potential as, a, as possibly being a ju- junior college All-American, uh, and then you add that to what you have in Greg Bell as a two-time JUCO All-American, um, you all, all of a sudden Nebraska's backfield next year has got a lot of proven guys. I'm going to end on this note, Nate. It sure made a lot of sense for Nebraska not to take junior college players the last three seasons. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you yeah. see, you're seeing the guys they're getting, and it's just like, wow. I mean, seriously, like it just doesn't make any sense when you see the difference-making type of guys that you can get that you're not going to be able to get out of high school. Dedrick Mills, another one. Well, make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com all throughout the weekend as uh, we're going to have lots of updates from the recruits, the game itself against Colorado, and let's hope we have a game. Uh, right now it looks like the weather's going to hold out, uh, but, uh, yeah, hopefully we don't have to go through what we went through last Saturday, but should be a great day. Huskers, Buffalo, Saturday, 2.30 in Lincoln. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.